welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, Daniel Gotera of KHOU 11 Sports. Thanks for tuning in. As I've said before, if you've been with us since the beginning or anywhere along the way, thank you for the support. If you're just joining us for the first time, feel free to browse the catalog of interviews and fun topics that we've talked about so far since we've launched this podcast back in late October, early November. It's a uh, fun little venture that uh, I've started here, and I think uh, I think it's gotten a pretty good response. So thank you for all those who have rated the podcast, who have subscribed to the podcast. I uh, I very much appreciate the support. Looks good for everyone involved, especially my bosses. My bosses love it. So uh, <laughs> it's always nice to uh, please those folks. This is episode 16 of the podcast. My guest today is U of H head baseball coach Todd Winning, one of the better guys in the business, no doubt. Love going over to campus to talk to Coach Winning when I get the opportunity. Usually we talk at the beginning of every season, and that's exactly what we did this time around. Another campaign for the Houston Cougars. Todd Whitting now been there 10 seasons. This will be his 10th season on campus at his alma mater. I can't believe the time has flown by. He got there in 2020, was hired in 2020. His first season was 2011. And of his nine seasons that he's been on campus with the Cougars, he's had seven winning seasons, four tournament appearances, one super regional. Honestly, he should have had eight. He should have had five tournament appearances. Should have got in there last year. But he was the last team out of the field of 64. He talks about that. It's kind of an added motivation for this Cougars team this year. They open their season on February 14th against Youngstown State. And this group could make some noise this year. Todd is very excited about this group that he has coming back. A nice mix of veterans and new players on the roster. A couple of years ago, they had a lot of new guys getting the experience of playing at this level for the first time. Now those guys have gone through the grind of what is a college baseball season and now are teaching some of the younger guys some of those tricks that they've learned along the way. Uh, This Cougars team has been picked preseason number 35 by College Baseball Newspaper. The American Conference is always loaded Um, It's always a talented league, so I'm guessing the Cougars will be right in the mix again. they got two stud pitchers named preseason all-conference, Clay Aguilar and Lyle Lockhart, who also plays in the field. Um, And this year they got a little added boost before the season even started. Uh, They have a brand-new facility right next to the stadium over there on campus. It is stunning. All the bells and whistles that you would want in a college baseball team – They have it over there on campus now. It's a big change from what they've had in the past. You're talking brand new locker rooms, brand new workout spaces, indoor pitching mound, a golf simulator. (laughs) Okay, that's for the fun parts. Uh, They have a bunch of TVs, new player lounge, um, hot cold tubs. Like I said, anything that you would want for a college baseball program, they have. And it's a huge advantage, not only for recruiting. Obviously, when you bring guys to campus to play on your squad and your program, you want them to be enjoying not just being on the team, but some of the perks that go along with it. And now U of H has got the facility to go along with some of the winning tradition that Todd Whitting has built over there. Just to kind of put it into perspective, you know, winning, you know, not only brings – The crowd brings championships and all that, but it also brings in money. So in the 10 years that Coach Whitting 
has been on campus, they've raised $10 million. They've upgraded the padding on the stadium, the scoreboard. They've got sponsorships. Uh, new naming rights have gone up because of those donations. And now they have this brand new facility on campus. It's stunning. You can go to my Facebook page. You can go to my Twitter page. I have pictures that I took on the tour. They're up there. So I'm very happy for Coach Whitting. We did our interview in the lobby of sorts <laughs> of the new facility, surrounded by their new jerseys, um, the bats that they're going to use, some of the cleats and face masks and catcher's gear that the players are going to use. You could tell he's very, very excited about this season. He's hoping to get these Cougars back in the NCAA tournament where they belong. Like I mentioned, they should have gotten in there last year. And one other thing that we talked about is um, something that, frankly, we didn't want to talk about. Um, we got into the passing of former U of H player John Altabelli. Uh, he was amongst those that were killed in the helicopter crash um, back in California, the crash that took the lives of Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna. Uh, John Altabelli, a former U of H baseball player, his wife, Carrie, and his daughter, Alyssa, who played with Gianna on the uh, select basketball team, um, they were all taken from us way too soon, and it was very interesting to hear Todd's relationship with John, and this year they're kind of remembering John and his contributions not only to the game of baseball, to what he meant for the program as well. They're honoring him by putting helmet stickers on the uh, batting helmets. Uh, you will see those throughout the season there. They'll be wearing those throughout the season, so I thought that was a nice touch. We talked about just that dynamic and how much uh, John meant to Coach Whitting and uh, the U of H baseball program. So without further ado, you don't have to hear me yap anymore. As I mentioned, the Cougars open the season on February 14th, Valentine's Day against Youngstown State. After that, they have games against Stanford, Tennessee, Texas Tech, and a Round Rock tournament. Then they go to Arizona uh, down the ways on the schedule. So they got a lot to do. They got a lot to prove. To get back to the NCAA tournament, here's head coach Todd Whitting. You're on the eve of another season. Right. What is that feeling like for you anytime that you're at this point? Well, it's my 25th year in college baseball, and it's it's the same, you know, kind of feeling in your stomach, you know, the excitement, the nervousness, um, and the anticipation of having another year. So it's a, it's a great time of year. It's fun. You know, the unknown, I think, is what all coaches are concerned about. But all you can do this time of year is just prepare your team as best you can. And when you do that, more times than not, it's going to work out. How would you describe your journey so far in, in baseball, college you know, baseball? It's It's gone how I kind of always dreamed it would, you know, short of an Omaha appearance in a national championship, which I feel like is, is on the horizon for this program at some time very soon. But it's been – I've been very fortunate. You know, I became an assistant coach the year after I finished playing at Houston, at Houston. Um, had a, a great opportunity to coach here for eight years and then seven at TCU and then back here in my tenth season as the head coach at Houston, which is my alma mater, and it's the job I've always wanted. So when that, going back to when this job came open mm -hmm. again, was yeah. it, do your eyes just light up when you hear that app? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's what you want. That's what you want. You know, I left Houston, you know, in two, after 2003, the Super Regional we played in that year, and I left here with the intention of one day coming back. I felt like if I was going to be the most prepared I could be to be the head coach at this pro in this program, 
I needed to go somewhere and learn a different way and be around other more people. We were having tremendous sex at Houston, tremendous success at Houston at the time. You know, coming off three super regionals in four years, and you know the opportunity I had at TCU was a great one, which culminated in a trip to Omaha um, in 2010. And you know, a couple of days later, I'm the head baseball coach here. So it, you know, the plan actually worked. You know, to a T on kind of how it scripted. <laughs> it does not always happen that way, but in this case, you know, I was very fortunate to be you know, at the right place at the right time and having a lot of success at TCU at the time. And, and this is the job that I'd always want to have. Why did you feel that you had to step, go away, like a change of environment, to learn something else? Why was that necessary for to you? To learn more than yeah. anything. You know, the only thing I knew was how we did it at Houston, you know, under Coach Stockton and Coach Noble. That was how I knew what, what I knew of college baseball, and I know there's more out there. You know, you always have to learn and change and adapt and, and try to get better as a coach. So I felt like the best opportunity for me to do that was going to be to go with Coach Lawson, go to TCU, and and be around a different program and a different way to do things. And he comes from a great coaching tree himself, um, with you know Coach Leggett, Coach Wilhelm, you know, uh, and many others that he'd been around. So just learning different ways to do things. So what did you learn? What was the biggest eye-opening? experience for you when you stepped away? Well, one thing I did learn is that we were doing a lot of things right at Houston, you know, under Coach well, that's, Nova. That's encouraging, and, uh, yeah. So that was good. And, you know, I feel like at TCU, you know, we had myself, we had Coach Schlossnagel, who's still at TCU, and Randy Mazie, who's the head coach at West Virginia now. We literally had three head coaches on a coaching staff. So it wasn't, it wasn't just me learning what they had to offer. It was also them learning what I had to offer and us basically putting our entire program together off the knowledge of all the people that we were surrounded by. So what's the biggest thing for you in a program? Like when you get here, you're looking to establish your your brand yeah. in a program. What was the first thing that you wanted to get done? Here? You got to change the culture. You got to change the mindset, and that's that's one of the hardest things to do. And I know culture is kind of a buzzword these days, but it's true. You know, you have to. You it have rings to get, true in any sport. It too. rings true in any sport, any organization, any type of when you're in any type of leadership role, running whatever you're running, you have to have great culture and you have to have all your arrows pointing in the right direction. And that's the only thing that happened here at Houston during that time is the arrows got a little bit off. It's still a great university, still a great baseball program. You know, just needed a little shot of something. Coach Noble is the winningest head coach in the history of this program and did a tremendous job here. Um, but it was time for us to do a few things, you know, a few things a little bit different, get some personnel in here to, to try to build the program back to a winning program again. So when you say the word culture, what does that mean to you? Just your, you know, your culture is just how you do things. You know, it's the expectation level um, that you have. You know, our, our core values are process, enthusiasm, trust, and excellence. And when you live by those rules, which those four things describe anybody or any any program that is successful or a business that's successful. So you just have to continually pound that mindset into your team and everybody that's surrounding the team. You ever kind of look around that and kind of... I don't know if you've gotten over that, say, when you pinch yourself, the fact that you're a head coach, you're mm -hmm. on the monitor. Do you, you still kind of get that? I do. A bit? I do, you know, because it, it's it's such a fulfilling, for, it's so fulfilling for me, you know, being a former player here and especially sitting in this clubhouse now where, you know, when I played here, we dressed in the Garrison Intramural locker room, you know, and over in the gym. And then we were upgraded to the one at the stadium, and now we're upgraded to this massive 20,000 square foot player development center. So it's it's definitely every day I come to work. I haven't ever worked a day in my life at the University of Houston. It's a lifestyle and it's something I enjoy when I get out of bed every day. What are the stories you tell the guys from where you did used to change? You know, I tried to take them over there the other day. We were going, oh, yeah. to, we were going to the IPF to get an indoor workout in and I said, you know, we'll stop in here in the old locker room and they've renovated and it looks great over there.
there now, yeah. and it's not quite it's not there anymore. But yeah. I wish it was, you know, because they could not see. Not so much what it was before, I bet. No, it's not, it's just definitely changed a little bit. But even the upgrade from our previous clubhouse, you know, it's this is a, a you know, this thing that clubhouse over there is about 900 square feet. Yeah. They're in 2,000 square feet of just locker room right now. So they've definitely upgraded. And you know, I've told them to who much is given, much is expected in return. You know, there's there's a lot of people that have invested in this program. It's our responsibility to make sure we continue to push the rock and keep the program moving forward. How do you feel when you walk up to a building like this, knowing that you did what you wanted to do, what you set out to do when you got here, mm -hmm. to allow this to happen? It's gratifying. It really is. I mean, there's there's nights I literally walk around this thing and just kind of walk around by myself, and I'm like, I can't believe that this actually got done. And it's not just me. It took a lot of people. You know, they say it takes a village. I mean, it took a large village to get this building completed, and so many people that care about this program who financially helped us to get this done and administratively helped us to push it through to make sure that we had what I think is one of the best baseball facilities in college baseball. So most of these new facilities that I've been in, they, they, they're very – they're laid out perfectly, right? right? It's all very seamless, right? right. I mean, easy access to everything. That's kind of what was important to you yeah. amongst all the other, obviously, amenities. That it has. There's a lot of thought, and there's years and years of thought that went into every every nook and cranny of this building. And, you know, myself, along with Tracy Collier, our director of baseball operations, and, you know, thought through every little space thoroughly to see how, make sure it functioned the right way. And, you know, for the most part, I think we hit we hit the nail on the head. The only things wrong with the building, the only things that I know about, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> nobody else has even noticed yet. Right. And, uh, and there's not very many of them. So, you know, her hard work and, and, and just grinding lots of time. I and mean, we literally drew this board up on a grease board. We drew this, drew this building up on a grease board yeah. in Tampa, Florida. Um, in my hotel room one night no kidding, and took really? a picture of it and brought it back to architects and, and kind of started tweaking from there. So that's kind of how the whole thing Is started. Is that when you realized this could be a possibility? When you, I mean, you always have an idea, right? You always right. want to upgrade your facilities. Did exactly. You have? Is this something that you've been thinking about for just a really long time? It, it was it from day one, you yeah. know, and, and Daryl and Lori Schrader made it, you know, be, began to make the process possible. Their name is on the stadium now, and their, their initial gift is what allowed us to get the ball rolling on this. And, of course, many more followed in with chipping in to help out with it. But, you know, Daryl and Lori basically gave us the green light to go ahead and get started and start planning and, and get this thing underway. So what's unique about it? I know that's a pretty mm -hmm. easy answer for sure. you to have, but yeah. what, what, what is so special about this that is really, have you really seen a difference with your guys so far? It, the team atmosphere, you know, keeping everybody in one spot. You know, I've never had the luxury of anywhere I've been of having our own baseball-only weight room, for example, and workout area and training room on site. And, you know, it's easy for the guys to go from the clubhouse to go upstairs to get a lift in, you know, to hit the hydrotherapy tubs. The training room is right here. If they need something in the equipment room, and oh, by the way, there's food, there's a golf simulator they can kind of get a little R&R on, yeah. and there's video games all over the place. But, you know, and, they, and they've and they learned to really respect the building, too. I haven't had to say really one word about, you know, keeping the lockers clean, keeping the kitchen area clean, things like that. They have a lot of pride in it. Yeah, it's brand new, right? I mean, right. when you, you're, I hate to be that one guy mm -hmm. that kind of disrupts, because I, I feel like you'd be all over them. Yeah, I mean they know they they know the expectation, and yeah. you know, and, and they've been told, you know, from myself and my staff and everybody involved in this building, you know, if you permit things, then you promote them, and we don't promote, you know, not taking care of what so many people have worked so hard to give to us. So we're going to respect that and, and make sure that it stays one of the best facilities in the country. So how are you at video games now? Have you gotten better? I haven't gotten on them at all. You know, I've been on the golf sim a couple of times, but I can't keep the pitching staff off of it. You know, enough time for me to get up there myself. So, so your golf game's gotten better or no? Not yet, but it will. You know, in the coming months. Not right now. It's baseball season, but in the off season, we'll definitely hit that thing quite a bit. 
Um, the reaction from the guys has got to make you feel good. I mean, when they first walked in here and saw it all, what was, what was that moment like for you to see that, that initial reaction? That's that? the moment that I wish everybody in, that was involved in the project could have been there for, you know, because we go from a, a dark, dank clubhouse that used to be really nice, but we haven't put a whole lot of, invested a whole lot of money in the last couple of years in anticipation of opening this one. But, yeah. you know, that first night when we let them in, um, you know, just the look on their face and the excitement that they had, it, it's, it's kind of like you take a deep breath and you're like, all right, we finally made it. And they truly, you could tell they truly appreciated what they were walking into. What about this <clears throat> season excites you the most? I think the edge we have right now, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, what I thought was an NCAA tournament team last year that was the first team left out of the field. I felt we deserved to be in with a 39 RPI. Um, but you got to, you know, kind of this year I've talked to him about, you can't leave it up to a committee's hands or anybody else. You have to take it yourself. And when you put yourself in position from not even being on the bubble to square on the bubble, sometimes that's going to happen. So, you know, we've got to, we've got to take care of business ourselves this year and just make sure that we're a lock. You know, and I don't want to just be in a regional. I want to host a regional. We've right. hosted a couple of them here the last few years. And, you know, we need to be, we need to secure another regional host site. And then that's going to give us the best chance to go to Omaha. The, the feeling, that, sting, that stinging feeling never never leaves, right? When you're the first mm -hmm. team out, I mean, that's still here. Yeah, that's never going to go away. Yeah. And I'm a pretty much, yeah, I'm a live-in-the-moment guy. We have a saying in our program about just the next 200 feet where we're just kind of like headlights on a car. We're just focusing on what's ahead and not behind us. But that one I've got filed away. I'm not going to forget about that one anytime soon. And that and these guys are the same way. I reminded them all the time that you don't want to be, you don't, do not want to be in that position again. You want to control your own fate, control your own destiny. But you can do those things by the way you work and prepare and the way you play the game. So well, what was it? What did you think? Was it just a, a, a decision that was made just to leave you guys out? Because I think it was only two or three teams from your conference, which is a pretty stacked conference most of yeah, the time. Yeah, I mean, I felt like our league was a four-bid league for sure. Yeah. You know, we're, we've been no worse than the fifth-ranked league in the country since the league was formed a few years ago. So I feel like we're always a four, we should always be a four-bid league. We were definitely worthy of a bid. There's been other teams in our league in the past that have been left out, but that, it is what it is. You just got to play yourself in a position where you can you finish first or second and make sure you lock yourself in there. And like I said, at the end of the day, we got left out, but we also didn't play great at the end of the year, too. And that, mm -hmm. that bothers me more than anything is that you know, we kind of stubbed our toe there towards the end, and it was unnecessary. And, and it should never happen. So a couple of years ago, you had a lot of guys that were experiencing <clears throat> this level of baseball for the first time mm -hmm. in the experience. Right. Now it's you got a nice mix. Yeah. Is that is that what excites you too about this squad? But you got you you've got a lot of experience, but you also got guys that have that yeah. wide eyed look that hey, I'm just going to go out here and play. It is. I, I do like having a lot of new players in the program because it kind of it re-energizes you as a coach because. You know, the, you know, last year's team was such a veteran-heavy team, which and, and I love that team. And those guys have won a lot of championships in their time here. But, you know, we're talking about things and working on things this year that we haven't talked about in two years because mm -hmm. you have so many new players on the team. So, but that helps the guys that have been here before, It does too. help them before. It, it does reinforce as well. And it allows them to get into coaching mode, mentor mode, to help those young guys, those new guys get caught up. So we're almost a dead split on returners and new players in this program right now. It helps, too, that you got two pretty good arms. It does. And Lyle <laughs> it does. and Clay. So yeah. what, tell me about them and what those guys bring to this team and how much confidence they give you every time you head into a weekend. Well, when you say confidence, those two guys are the ultimate in confidence. You know, they walk out of the locker room, they look like they're going to win. And you want your entire team to have the swagger and the confidence and the kind of the arrogance that those guys have. And, and Lockhart gets us started with that on Friday night. He's a mm -hmm. 
quiet, you know, pretty quiet guy, but a fierce, fierce competitor. And, you know, he came from out of nowhere to take that Friday slot last year. Didn't even pitch here as a freshman. Um, had arm trouble his sophomore year. Um, and comes back last year and was the ace on our staff and um, had a tremendous year. And then Clay's coming off an arm injury two years ago. Had at, at the last half of the year was excellent for us. And I think, I think both those guys have a chance to be some of the top lefties in the country. How does that happen for a young guy to all of a sudden just <clears> find it? Like he, like he found yeah. it. I mean, he became the ace, like you said. Yeah. How did that happen for him? The great ones do. You know, you just got to, it's a mentality. I think Coach Rooney does a tremendous job, you know, just pounding his mentality home and their pitching plan and what they do day in and day out. I mean, you know, you see the, you know, our team communication is on WhatsApp and you have a pitcher's group and a hitter's group. And I mean, he is just constantly reinforcing late at night, early in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, what they're supposed to be doing, what they're trying to do, where they're trying to go and what they're trying to be. And I think that finally, it just kind of becomes them and, and it's part of their personality. I know one of the things here in this facility is all the players that have been drafted, mm -hmm. all the tradition that there is right. here. How important is it for those guys to see that? as they walk to the locker room. It's huge, you know, and it's there by design. You know, every day they have to oh, walk. sure it is. <laughs> every day, you know, they have to walk by the greatness that's come before them. And the people who came before them are who allowed us, because the success this program has had, is what allowed us to build this clubhouse. And it's their job to go on and leave it better than they found it for the next team. And that's a constant reminder to them. And if you walk around the building, you see TVs everywhere, and they're flashing. All, they're constantly rolling championships and great players and major league players and great times and the great moments in the program as a constant reminder of what the expectation level is for them personally and as a team. You have uh, an addition to your helmet this mm -hmm. year, which right. <clears throat> you never wanted to make. Right. Um, to talk about John a mm -hmm. little bit. and what kind of an impact that he can have on this group. Now that these guys are knowing his story a little bit more right. and kind of the impact he had on California mm -hmm. and that, that message that he brought there over here. You know, one thing I've started with the team that, that happened right really because of this unfortunate incident is I don't, I don't think they really understand who they're playing for all the time. You know, they, you always play for yourself, you always play for your teammates, but there's a whole community out there that loves and supports University of Houston, and John Altabelli was one of those, and his wife Carrie and his whole family. And, you know, that was a tragic loss to him. He was a great personal friend to me. Um, he's a great supporter of this program. Although he's always been a West Coast guy, he came here for a couple of years to play here and coach here. He's he's always been on the West Coast, but stayed very connected to the program, especially through his teammates. You know, those those guys, David Pierce, who's the head coach at, at uh, Texas now, yeah. uh, Benny Moda, and a couple of other ones that are still great friends, get together a couple of times a year, and they're all Cougars. And uh, you know, for them to understand that, that that's what the team, that's what team is all about. But they need to learn about people like Alto and how great a coach he was and a great supporter. There's been five players here play, that played for Alto in this program that were great players here. And you know, that, that's the kind of things they need to understand. So we've since taken that a little further and I required our seniors to go out and research some of the famous alumni at the University of Houston. Like, who are you, who are you playing for? You know, and, they, yeah. and once you expose them to that, they're like, wow, I didn't know this guy or this guy or this woman went to school at the University of Houston. Once you dig into U of H, you find out all the greatness all over the world that came right out of this university. What was your reaction when you heard about the accident? It was, I was shocked. I really was. You know, he had, my what wife, was the last time you talked to him? Uh, well, Coach Rooney actually visited with him that morning via text about some of his players, yeah. No kidding. Um, Alto, I, I mean, we're, we're great friends. We text and talk all the time. I, I, I missed him this year at our national convention. We were getting ready to open this up, and he had texted me the day before to see if I was coming out. Um, we go to dinner and catch up, and unfortunately, I, I didn't get the opportunity to go out there. But, you know, we talked all the time, mm -hmm. and uh, it was just shock. He had told – my wife Tara and I had gone to dinner with he and Kay, 
when we were at Anaheim two years ago for our ABCA convention, he mentioned then that um, that Alyssa was playing, you know, for Kobe's team and how excited she was and what a great guy Kobe was. And they were really, you know, outside the spotlight of Kobe Bryant being Kobe and Alto being a great JUCO coach, they were just parents and friends that had kids that played on the same team. So that that was kind of their relationship. And, you know, he didn't talk about it a whole lot, but I knew they'd become great friends. And for a split second when I heard what happened with Kobe's helicopter, I was like, no, there's no way Alto was on there. And then I kind of went about my day and we're hearing the news about Kobe and how horrible that is um, that we all lost him. And I was actually in the building, um, you know, giving a tour of the building to a few of the donors that helped make this possible when, when I got the news. And it was just, it was just shock. I mean, and still right now, I can't believe that he and Carrie and Alyssa are gone. You know, it just yeah. it doesn't make sense to me how something like that can happen, but it, but it does. And wow, what a powerful impact he's had, you know, and, I, and I've been. Well, yeah, when you really you look at his story, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, look, I mean, he's been on the West Coast, yeah. Juco coach out there. Mm-hmm. I know, I think ESPN recently did a story on they it. Did. I mean, it was a tremendous story. Mm-hmm. Boy, he, he really meant a lot. To he touched a lot, a lot of people. people. Yeah. He did. He's, he's had a great program out there for years. He also coached the Cape Cod on the other side of the country and was running great college players and coaches and programs out there. So, you know, he, he did touch a lot of people. And, and I think, you know, one thing that I've, I've kind of fed back to the West Coast, to JJ, his son, and some friends of his on the West Coast is that he has not been forgotten about here, you know, and that right. the, the media here has done a tremendous job. Um, and the whole city of recognizing and honoring not only Alto, but Carrie and Alyssa as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the mayor, you know, changing the bridges to red and white in the courthouse that night. I sent pictures and, of all that stuff out there to J.J. And he's well aware of, you know, how much love his family's receiving back here in Houston. What is the key for you this season to get off to the start that you want? Well, I think preparation right now is the big key. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this time of year is very important. And in college baseball, every game matters. You know, we don't have the luxury, like in, in Major League Baseball, where we get spring training and exhibition games. You know, well, we, wouldn't that be nice? It would be huge. Yeah, <laughs> Every game matters. You know, yeah. they all count on your RPI. They all right. count on your overall record. So, you know, you can't just, hey, let's try this for a week or two, or hey, let's try this like they can do in minor league baseball. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, just the urgency and intensity that, to knowing that every pitch matters because what last season came down to, and it, most seasons for every team across the country is one pitch here or there, you know. And it's not even about getting a hit. You know, if we just put a ball in play, hit a sacrifice fly, um, get a bunt down, yeah. execute a pitch. There's, you know, the, you, you're rolling back in your mind all the time when you have a, a season where it didn't go like you wanted it to. You, know, you just miss. You're so close to getting there, and th- those are the things that we've been working on to make sure that doesn't happen again. And this year it's a little different. You're not playing here at the Minute Maid Park mm-hmm. uh, tournament. You're right. going to Round Rock. Correct. Um, why the change? Why did you feel like it was it was good to kind of. Let's get, let's get away a little bit and face some other kind of Well, the Minute Maid Tournament is, a, is an unbelievable tournament. Yeah. It's, it's, it's being the Nothing hometown against team. them. I know yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great tournament. Those yeah. guys do a great job. But, you know, I did want to mix it up a little bit. The group that's run the Round Rock Tournament does one in Frisco every year. Um, they've been trying for years to get me to come to that one. And basically refused because it's too cold. <laughs> I mean, I was at TCU for seven years, and yeah. I know how the Metroplex can be in March. So, oh, yeah. you know, I was finally like, hey, we have a great relationship with the folks at Round Rock. Um, Chris Almendares, the president's a te- former teammate and great support of our program. Uh, the Ryan Sanders group, you know, Reed Ryan, Don Sanders, all those guys are great friends of mine. I said, hey, why don't you check, let's check with Round Rock, see if they're interested and why don't we do an additional tournament there. And that's kind of how it all started. And, uh, and they've gone on to fill a great field with Stanford, Tennessee, and Texas Tech. I mean, it's, it's basically like one half of an Omaha bracket. So it's great preparation, you know, early, and it's really early in the season for us. You mentioned, finally, you mentioned earlier that you see Omaha mm-hmm. in the future. How how close do you think that is? Not to give predictions, but mm-hmm. do you feel like 
yes, this this is on the right track. You've got the new facility. Yeah. Got guys that are coming in that are super talented. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, how how well on your way are you to get into that? Point? There's never been a year that I've coached college baseball I didn't think I could make it to Omaha. Um, because I've seen teams that make it to Omaha that get hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Michigan last year was literally one strike away from not making the NCAA tournament. Right. They go on and play, you know, in the final championship series, you know. Right. Out here in 2000, San Jose State upset us in a Super Regional with a team that I think they finished fourth or fifth in the WAC that year, and we're a three or four seed at the Baylor Regional, go to Omaha. So that's the great thing about our sport is the best team doesn't always win. It's whoever plays best on that day and who has the hot hand. So any team can go, you know, any team can go. And the great thing about college baseball is any team from any league can go. You know, there's no no restrictions holding us back. You get in that top 64, then you have an opportunity to go go to the College World Series. Well, after the baseball season, work on that golf game. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Always. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.